0: Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Welcome to the Running Light Ministries Podcast. My name is I'm Peter. And this is episode 109 for all you listeners out there. <laughs> and we do get quite uh, a, a good turnout for these things. I'm always shocked. Nice. Yeah, some of them I see like 100 and something listens and you know yeah Yeah. so I'm like hey we're getting there (laughs) it's cool (laughs) you know it's not it's great and uh, obviously we got a niche with running light we talk a lot about sex in the bible and we're talking a little bit about families and um and sexual kind of life within family units and um how that kind of affects society and stuff like that too so it's a little um, it's a little, what, sociological yeah. <laughs> in that way. You know, one of my favorite guys I um, like to listen to sometimes, and he's been a, a, um, a professor that I've kind of followed over years, uh, over the years, but it's Dr. Mark Regnerus um, out of um, University of Texas at Austin. And it's kind of interesting that... Uh, Dr. Mark Regnerus, who's a associate professor of uh, sociology at that university. Um, also, is, or another professor there is Robert Jensen, who he's another guy who wrote that book, um, Getting Off. And he's more of a, um, you know, I just read uh, a report from um, him, Robert Jensen, and he's at the same university. And that was the link with Mark Regnerus. Um, but Robert Jensen described himself as a Christian progressive. Hmm. Yeah, it was really interesting, <laughs> you know, that uh, I didn't think he would ever put that kind of a label on him, but uh, on himself, but... Uh, He doesn't believe in miracles or, you know, those type of things. Right. Um, I guess that's the progressive part. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if that's really progressive, though. (laughs) Not
1: all progressives are like that. Yeah. Yeah, because
0: like how I defined progressive on uh, Sunday when I did a teaching um, in John 4, you know, progressive is going from uh, one state to a a more greater state. Right. You know? You're progressing. You're progressing. (laughs) That's right, by (laughs) definition. So it doesn't seem, it seems like a miracle would be progress. You know, get it like, you know, something miraculous, um, the deity of Christ that would be progressive. Right. You know, it seems like him just being like one of us wouldn't be too progressive. Or, <laughs> you know, not having miracles wouldn't be progressive at all. Right. Yeah. That so seems like it would be kind of uh, regressive. Yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. I'm a Christian regressive. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but anyway, um, you know, Mark Regneris uh, has done. Family structure studies, which is really interesting, because um, there's that idea that there's no difference between family structures. Uh, meaning, you can have um, it, it doesn't matter if you're heterosexual and you have a family or you're homosexual in you know in a family. Uh, you know, the idea is that you know it doesn't matter. Kids will be brought up as kids, no matter what. And there's no difference at all. And so Mark Regnerus has kind of done some more research and studies. And there's some other ones. This other guy, Dr. Donald Paul Salines, a professor of society at our sociology at Catholic University of America, recently published published a series of studies that are among the most most method, methodologically. Is that what that word is? uh yeah yeah sound on the subject of same-sex parent, parenting. So and it gets into the details of what he's doing in his uh I guess methodology, <laughs> you know. But uh they they've done uh studies that really have challenged this idea of no differences. Um and of course that's a big issue and uh, you know I always think of this too when it comes to things like this, these arguments of you know, is it really matter what a family is? structure is about when it comes to the kids is there's a lot of definitions that need to be kind of worked through. It seems like, because when you say like, well, can uh, you know, a child uh, can be brought up in a heterosexual uh, just the same way as in a homosexual or, you know, relationship, you guys understand what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Um, It seems, it seems like, like, okay, well, what, you know, what is the criteria? You know, what do we mean, like, uh, health stability, physical health, mental health stability? What are the guidelines to that? So there's a lot of, like, it seems like could be arbitrary, you know, measurements of, I guess, methodology right, of defining these things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, some of the studies that they've done, um, of because we're having more and more uh, children who are adults who have been raised by same-sex couples. Uh, and that's 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 a novelty that's more new in society, whereas homosexuality has kind of always existed in one form or another in every society. But the idea of two committed homosexual parents raising a child—that yeah, was for life. For life. That yeah. that was like incredibly rare. It basically, never happened until the last couple decades. And um, they've been able to interview some of these kids. And the argumentation from a lot of the advocates for same-sex marriage and same-sex, uh, the ability of a same-sex couple being able to adopt or to be able to uh, use surrogacy or some other means to have a child and to raise that child. Uh, one of the arguments that they use is what well, all that really needs to be there is feminine and masculine traits. Some of them would even argue against that. They would say like even, you don't even need any of those traits. Just They just need a loving and nurturing environment. Uh, but what we're finding is these kids are growing up and you're finding out that they actually are missing something. So, in other words, these children who are raised by a same sex couple end up growing up in a similar manner to kids who grow up in a single parent home. I mean, they are lacking something. Hmm. So, if I'm a male and I grow up in a home that doesn't have a female presence, uh even if i'm hanging out with my dad and my dad is more feminine and i have a different dad who's more masculine uh that's something but it's still not the same thing as growing up with a feminine woman because as anyone will tell you being a man with feminine qualities is not the same thing as being a woman with feminine qualities uh, for many many reasons but one is society's impression of that guy so being raised with a female is actually really important and being raised with a male is actually really important. You can't just dice it up and say that they're going to be the same. And a lot of these kids have come out and said, Hey, I love my parents. They're awesome. You know, I, I, I think that they're the best, but I was lacking something like I was missing an aspect that a lot of my friends or, uh, people around me had and they feel a lack.
0: Yeah. So this doctor, um, that I mentioned, the second one, let me find his name again. Dr. Donald Paul Sullins. This is the professor of sociology at Catholic University of America. He has a quote, um, let's see, from his data, from his research. Biological relationships, it appears, is both necessary and sufficient to explain the higher risk of emotional problems faced by children with same-sex parents. The primary benefit of marriage with children, therefore, May not be that it tends to present them with improved parents, more stable, financially affluent, etc. Although it does this, but that it presents them with their own parents. Future research is needed to determine the mechanisms by which biological parentage affects child emotional well-being. So it's kind of it's kind of an interesting idea, you know. Ideas is that. You know, it makes me think of this, too, is like, you know, the Bible says, you know, he made a male and female. And is there, is there any difference? Is there any, you know, you know, from a biblical perspective, there has to be a purpose within the male and the female. Yeah. And I heard someone the other day, um, I forget what it was I was listening to, but he was, uh, pro, it was like a Jordan Peterson video and, and, and it was about an issue that took place with a lady who was in, uh, who got busted as she was a professor at a university or, or maybe not a professor, but she was working underneath the professors, uh, maybe for her higher degree. And she got busted because she showed a Jordan Peterson video of, of the exchange of, um, the issues that came up with Jordan Peterson about uh, pronouns, personal mm-hmm. pronouns, and using them, and or being forced to use them by the, the government. Right. And um, anyway, she got this 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 girl got attacked for showing it in the classroom, and and she's a she's a teacher of some sort, and um, and anyway, her her head of department kind of came down at her, but I, that was the context of what I was watching. And within that, there was one of the, uh, people that was against her was saying, yeah, well, we know now in science that there's no difference between male and female. And I was kind of like puzzled with that, that quote. I was kind of like, where, where is that coming from? Like, I I guess there must be papers on this. Like, (laughs) there's no, there's no difference. I was, you know, my brother's, uh, uh, got his, uh, degree in math and, um, You know, he's very and he's got, I think, another uh, maybe minor in um, biology Mm. and so natural sciences. And so biology doesn't matter. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, but this guy's saying this guy, uh, this sociologist is saying, you know, maybe biology does matter. Right. You know, and, you know. Uh, I just wonder, like, is there papers that say there's no difference between men and women? So what the
1: papers show, and Jordan Peterson harps on this a lot, is they've done incredible amounts of research on gender differences in the last 10 years. And the people who did this research expected to find that men and women were the same. So they took an entire, like a huge study sample of tens of, like not not like a couple people, this is tens of thousands of people over multiple continents. So this isn't just like one country, one person, this is tens of thousands of people over multiple continents, multiple different intellectuals, psychologists, sociologists from around the world have studied the data and they've looked at it and they were trying to figure out are men and women the same? And what they found out is that men and women have a lot in common, that we are more the same than we are different. But what they did find out, which bothered them is that when you get to the edges, and I used this example a couple weeks ago, they found a bell curve, you know? So if you take calculus or any type of higher math, you know what a bell curve is. It's an exponential increase with a a bell like shape and then it goes down and it bells out at the end. Like it has long ends to it.
0: Yeah. And you've kind of talked about this before.
1: Right. So what they found out is that if you took average qualities of male and females, we have a lot that intersects on that peak of the bell curve. Uh, meaning that if you're, the bell curve is like the differences and the height. So the X axis, the length would be the people. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the differences, the, the, y-axis, the height would be the number of people. Once you get to the peak of the bell curve, you actually have the most in common, but once you get to the edges, you have the most out of sync. So let me take one quality to show this, to be something like an engineer. So they try to figure out why aren't there a lot of female engineers out there. So to be an engineer, you have to care much more about figuring out things than you care about dealing with people. And any of you guys who have any family members or friends who are engineers, you could say, that is true. That's what engineers are all about. They care far more about things than they do about people. It doesn't mean they don't care about people at all, but it means that what really gets their gears turning, what gets them excited is solving problems and spending their time working on things. That's their safe space. And my brother's an engineer, and he's like that. People, it's a little more difficult for him to figure them out, and he, he struggles some in, in some capacities with social interaction. Now, that doesn't, again, make them totally antisocial, but it does mean that they have this niche, they have this ability. When you look at men and women on the bell curve of problem solving and dealing with things and propensity to care about people, the nurturing capacity and things like that, women excel far more at their ability to be empathetic, sympathetic towards others to care about emotions to care about relationships and to
0: care less about things now some people would say that's that's like a nurture thing that like that might be one argument right that
1: is the main argument so so what they're finding is that men are excelling at things like engineering and ceo type positions because both those positions require propensity to caring about things what about professions that care about people psychology teaching nursing Who excels at those systems? Women. Women totally dominate those systems. So the argument that the sociologists and the psychologists initially gave was, oh, well, this is because of nurture. We have societies that are nurturing these differences and that's why this is happening. So what they did is they took a look at Scandinavian countries. And in Scandinavian countries, they have far more equality than any other country on this planet when it comes to male and female differences meaning that they're not pushing any particular agenda they're not trying to make women anything and they're not trying to make men anything they're saying be whoever you want to be and they're providing the same amount of opportunities to both now what they found is that in societies that are like that that are far more into equality and not into equity like our country where it's actually trying to force more women to fill these uh fill these spots what they found out is that in countries that don't do that that do not pressure males and females to fill any particular roles, the differences increase at an exponential rate. They don't drop, they go the opposite direction. And that was shocking to them because they were expecting to find the opposite, meaning that they expected to find that as equality increased, the differences would decrease.
0: Equitability would increase. That's right,
1: equitability would increase, but it did the exact opposite. Equity decreases at an exponential rate as equality increases. So they're having to answer the question where, because like they had, that was the initial argument where, oh yeah, it's, it's totally just because of nurture, but these tests have showed the exact opposite and they're having to answer that question. The way they answer is they just don't listen. <laughs> you know, that's, that's literally yeah. it. And, yeah. you know,
0: and I, I've known, uh, I mean, I know my wife and I know my daughter, of course, and I guess if there's any empirical uh, science behind my, uh, my own little theories, it's just knowing them, right? Yeah. Um And which would be more of an inductive way of knowing things. Yeah. And, um uh, but I, 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 you know, when I talk to them, it's like, they, they want, they, you know, my wife wanted to have a family, have children, and raise children. And I talked to my daughter, she would love to be married and have children and, and that kind of thing. And I think, man, that's, that's, that's awesome, you know? And, um, is that, you know, part of just the biology too of a, of a right. woman, uh, yeah. where she goes, you know, I can carry a child, right? Like I would love to carry a child and have a baby yeah, and, you know, uh, take care of that child. Yeah. Um, and uh, this this professor is saying hey we got to look at those biology differences and that they make a big difference and yeah there's
1: some you know me and you talk about it there's when people talk about the inequity like why is there so many differences between men and women they tend to focus on the positive ones like why aren't there more women ceos why aren't there more women engineers why aren't there more women doctors right and they're going into these but they never talk about the negatives for instance I believe I could be off on this, but it's somewhere in this ballpark, meaning I think that I'm being conservative here when I say this. Male inmates outnumber female in- inmates 10 to one. Now, we're gonna look at that and say, is that because America is just so incredibly anti-male? Right? We're just this anti-male society that's totally pro-femme, and that's why so many males outnumber females when it comes to inmates no feminist would say yes to that. They wouldn't know how to answer that. Because in order, if you concede it and you say, oh, the reason why there's more male inmates than female inmates- Is inequality. Is inequality, then you have to say that the system is skewed towards favoring women when it comes to arrests. They can't say that. But they also can't say what the data actually shows, and that is there is something in males that is biologically different than females that makes them more likely to commit violent crimes. So again, it goes to that bell curve where we all have violent tendencies because the male tendency for violence is higher, much higher than the female tendency. The most violent people in society are the ones who are gonna end up in prison and they tend to be male, that's why. So as you go to the edge of the bell curve, the in the differences increase at an exponential rate.
0: Hmm interesting (laughs) you know um absolutely so you know the bible does stress this male female uh component and um uh, as being
1: like the the foundation for the family unit yeah
0: the foundation of it uh even though it doesn't always work out that way right you know obviously and um you know it's kind of interesting when i look at my life i look at i i lived with a single mom i lived with two parents for a time, then single parent mother for a time, then a single parent father for a time. So it's like, I kind of had a lot of different things. I had homosexual babysitters. So I I really, I think they should study me. (laughs) It'd be an interesting study, man. (laughs) Right?
1: But, you know, like this is another one of the debates that people in our society use is they'll, they'll pick someone like you and they'll say like, was it better that you had a father and a mother when the father was an alcoholic and abusive than when you had the homosexual babysitters. Right. And in that that scenario, what they're doing is they're forcing you to choose. Yeah, yeah. And what we would say is, no, it's not that the homosexual couple is in all cases going to be worse for a child. Right. What we're saying is, ideally, a functional heterosexual couple, because of the biological differences and because of the biological needs of the child mm-hmm. are going to better meet the needs of that child than the homosexual couple.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I wonder what if there's studies that and I'm sure there is on, you know, the sexual orientation of children as they get older, you know, does it matter if they're in a homosexual relation uh, you know, with parents that are homosexual? Does that matter? Does that have any ramification on their uh, sexual um, kind of pool. Yeah. And it, it can.
1: Uh, so, this is kind of a difficult one. It is a difficult one where a lot, and this is one of those topics that you just, you really can't talk about in our society. So, it's one of those things where we have theories, but we can't prove them because no one would ever do the research because if you did the research, you'd get shot. You know, like you just, you would not be able to put out this research. But essentially, what psychologists want to study, which they can't, is is there a sociological component to why certain people become homosexual or trans? And one of the theories that's been put out there is that possibly one of the reasons why someone might become homosexual, it's not the only reason, but one of the reasons why someone might become homosexual or trans is because they had some sort of an authority figure in their life that they looked up to that they felt would only accept them if they were like this. And this usually happens when they're young. That's why there's a huge number of, and actually a shockingly large number of gay people, men and women, who were, we would use the word groomed, but most people would feel uncomfortable using that word. So we'll just say that an older mentor-like figure in their life exposed them to sexuality at a young age, right? So usually when they're around a teenage years, they had someone that they looked up to who was gay or trans who exposed them to sexuality. It doesn't necessarily mean that they touched them. And That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that they exposed them to sexuality in some way. They showed them pornography. They talked to them about their sex life in explicit terms, something like that. And that child felt like, in order to be accepted by this person, I should be like them. Now, that's very different because we don't see a similar pattern in heterosexuality. Um, some people would argue against it. But again, when you look at heterosexuality, people don't need to feel pressured, in other words, to be straight. The way that people would argue against what I'm saying is they would say, well, aren't there a large number of homosexuals in the closet? And doesn't that so, show like societal pressure to keep them that way? No, what I'm saying is for those people who are in the closet, they weren't pressured to be straight. In other words, it didn't change their sexuality to be around heterosexuality. What it did is it made them afraid to expose their true desires, their true attractions. What I'm saying about the homosexual thing is that it actually shows that people can change their attractions through this young exposure. Um, a really good example of that, I mean, I could go down the list of homosexual actors and actresses who have shared their experiences and they're celebrated. Meaning like Leonard Nimoy goes, who played Spock in the old Star Trek shows, he actually goes into detail about this exposure when he was a teenager with a full grown man, right? This full grown man, he said, walked him through homosexuality when he was a teenager. Um, And it's celebrated. People are like, that's awesome, right? This guy showed him who he really was. And some psychologists would look at it and say, well, what if that wasn't where he was gonna go? but what if that exposure at that age, because he was in such a vulnerable position because you're a teenager, you don't know which way's up, that yeah. exposure actually did
0: something to him, yeah, and that's always a big I mean, what you're talking about, and I think I, I think uh you know how psychologists are trying to figure out how a child or a teenager where they're gonna go in their sexuality might be able to be more studied through, you know, uh, young people's exposure to pornography today because it's on such a higher level. Right. You know, where how many people are exposed to pornography today? A lot. You know, most people, yes. Um, You know, anybody with an internet connection, (laughs) pretty much. Right. Um, And how many of those those you know when you i i would love to see research of like okay you know let's take all the 11 year olds let's take all the 15 year olds and you know you know because i tend to think in my own mind my own life that uh because you know a lot of the exposure to pornography yeah when i was young was there a lot of sexuality yeah when i was young um you know was i uh did i I had did have homosexual babysitters. Um, did that play a part in something in my life? I don't know. Um, you know, I had a I had heterosexual uh, parents, but they uh, it was an abusive home. It was an alcoholic uh, home, and um, so there it wasn't a very good heterosexual um, situation. Was I exposed to pornography, as kids are today? Not even close. Not even. It's not even a comparison. Right. Um, you know, and is, is how much is even kids today when they're exposed to pornography in a young age, you, you know, what is really the ramification of it? If there is any. Right. Like what kind of ramification? And I know some people are going to look at that, here, what I just said, and they're going to go, what? well, of course there's a ramification. You know what I mean? And that kind of thing. Um, and it's so hard because they, we don't have a control group.
1: Yeah. Meaning in order to really do the experiment, we'd have to have a group of kids that, that have never, never been watched. exposed. Yeah. And it's like that is becoming increasingly impossible uh, to find. <laughs> You'd have to go to like an Amish community. <laughs> but then. Right. But even then that. it's like not a fair. It's not a fair, like an Amish community where they're like totally don't have even a, a light bulb. You know, <laughs> like. Right. But even then, it's not a fair comparison because their culture is so different. You wouldn't be able to make a fair comparison. Yeah. Um. So it, it's just like a, a study that would be fascinating. You need, you need to
0: find. <laughs> you need to find like five thousand kids in New York that have never ever been on the internet, and then exposed. keep them away from it. <laughs> <Yeah>. for, keep <laughs> them away years. for ten years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. To do that, you know, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, how many people, you know, it, you know, the question is, 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 is again, kind of nature nurture. Mm -hmm. Uh, argument right is does the kid um is it the nurturing the pornography that's nurturing something right and i tend to have my own theories that it's it's uh um that it's kind of uh because the bible teaches that we're fallen and we're sinful that that human beings can go in all kinds of areas sexually yeah um, that potentially it's in us all. So when people say sexuality is fluid, yeah. I tend to go like, yeah, yeah. it can be fluid. Yeah. And, and, it, and, and there's the potentiality of fluid sexuality in every human being.
1: Which the one part that we would – so when we say fluid, I think we mean it in a literal sense. They don't, yeah. meaning that most people in our culture, the reason why they wouldn't do the test is because they have argued that you're born this way. Right. So in other words, the idea is that you're really not fluid. It's, you are set in a particular way. You're like, you're born in that particular bend and nothing can shake you out of it. Meaning well, that, that makes no sense though. Which doesn't make any sense. And that, that's why they would never do these tests. They would never do these studies because the second you ask the question of, is there a factor that makes people gay? Then all of a sudden what I've I've said is I've challenged their premise. And the premise is you're born that way, right? It's not your choice. Right. It's something that you're just born with and you
0: can't do anything about it. Like I wonder if if bisexuality is, are you born that way? That's what they would argue, yeah. But if you're born bisexual, (laughs) isn't that somewhat the definition of being somewhat fluid? Yeah, you'd have to be. But
1: even people would say, now they use the term pansexual because mm-hmm. to say bisexual is to insinuate that there's only two genders, which is mm-hmm. messed up in our right. society. <laughs> so, right. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that. so when we say fluid, we actually mean it. We mean that people's sexualities can switch, that maybe you are what we believe is that you're born with certain propensities, that you're more likely to end up one way or the other. But it doesn't mean that you're fixed, that you are set and you are destined to be in that sexuality we believe that things can happen to you that can make you more likely or less likely to go down a certain path and regardless of the nurturing path that you've gone down regardless of the things that have happened to you you're still not fixed you still can shift and that's something that is pretty firmly rejected nowadays that's why some people are even rejecting the idea of having gender reveal parties now because they're like well you need to wait until your child can tell you what gender they are like, you can't set them with a gender. You have to just allow them right, to. Right.
0: But that, that goes against what you just said about you're, like, you're born this way.
1: Well, they believe that the child is born a particular way, but it has nothing to do with their biology. <laughs> so it's like, wow. So when you're born, like when I was born, what they believe is that my gender was fixed from the day I was born. However, it has nothing to do with my biology, it has everything to do with my psychology. So at a certain age, I'm going to discover what gender I really am. Um, and this is just existentialism to its logical conclusion. Existentialism states that existence precedes essence. Who you are comes after what you are. So you get to define your own reality. So they believe that it applies to your sexuality and your gender. Who, that,
0: wait, say that again? Who you are comes after what you are.
1: Yeah. So in other words, your biology, what you are, right, born with a penis or born with a vagina, that's what you are. That's your biological components. But who you are, the actual components of your personality, your identity, your soul, even if you want to go in those metaphysical ways, uh, that's all comprised, uh, I mean, that's all discovered later by self, meaning you discover who you are and you are the one who affirms that. Nothing that you're born with is set in stone. You decide your own reality. That's the idea of existentialism. Yeah. And uh, there's been, you know, many existentialists famously, like Albert Camus is an absurdist Mm -hmm. and existentialist, but that was their, their main premise. That is just like, reality is kind of what we make it. We decide what's right. We decide what's wrong. There's no objective truth. There's, you know, that's the idea of existentialism, which would include your biology. So, in the, in the, but it's like, as you said, it's contradictory because in one sentence they're saying it's fluid and it's self-determined, but on the other side they're saying, but you are born that way. So it's like you're, you're like contradicting yourself because yeah. if you're born that way, that means that you aren't actually decide, discovering your own truth. Right.
0: You are you, that way. You
1: are that way. And all you're doing is just affirming what you are. So in other words, they're saying the same thing that, like, so there's the hardcore, uh, what you would call empiricist, the hardcore empiricist who would say, no, what you are is who you are, right? That's who you are. So if you're born male, that's your biology, that is who you are. You can't fight that. That would be the hardcore empiricist. They would be at odds with one another. What we're saying is actually more in the middle. We're saying that you are born biologically a certain way, but you do have willpower. This is what the Bible teaches. You have willpower to decide various things about yourself. And what the Bible would say is that the correct thing to do is to choose to live inside of how you were born when it comes to gender and when it comes to sexuality. That God has created a particular purpose and plan for you, and you will have desires and wills that go against it but your purpose is to live up to what God has created you to be
0: and it kind of goes back to Genesis again is the purpose of of male female was to populate the earth right and and that that seems like the biggie yeah. right yeah is you know procreation and,
1: and it's it's funny that you you I think it was last week where you said like and this is a very common philosophical question of what if everyone chose to live that way and whenever you're thinking about is this good for society that's the common philosophical question you should ask of what if everyone did this and the argumentation of the other side which is really interesting was well if you're born a particular way then everyone won't be that way by necessity the majority of people will not be homosexual or trans the problem is is that their theory is being tested because same-sex relationships and transgenderism is on the rise at an exponential rate. Like, it's like not small, it's, but from the difference between millennials and Gen Z, which is my generation versus the newer generation, I think the differences are over 10 times, right? When it comes to the amounts of homosexuality and transgenderism, that's a big leap. And what they would say is, well, no, 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 the numbers have always been the same, just more people are free to say it but that doesn't really jive for numerous reasons. Uh, one of the big ones is millennials are still alive. <laughs> so it's like we have the potential to come out of the closet and right. we're not. So that means that this idea that this is people are more free doesn't really jive because we are still in existence and we can come out anytime we want and society is more accepting and we're not doing it. Which means it's not that there's more of us, it's that we've created more through the acceptance of it and through the celebration a of
0: nurturing it, a nurturing
1: there's a nurturing of it,
0: yeah, so what you're saying is that if you continue in that nurturing process, then you know um, it really has nothing to do with your biology or being born right a certain way, and finding out later on like how, what you really are, you yeah. know that <laughs> kind of search, but uh, it's just you live in a more nurturing culture. And so you go, oh, I can do this this way or I could do this that way. And then then it comes down to, okay, how does that affect society like we talked about last time? You know, what is the ramifications of of an increased, um, you know, lack of heterosexuality? Yeah. Is is there a ramification for that on the planet? Right. You know, what's the planet going to look like in 500 years? Yeah. You know, at this
1: rate. Yeah. You know, at that rate.
0: Yeah. You know, does it does it mean that you pretty much, you know, the population becomes a lot less to does the population of the earth go back to a, you know, um, three billion? Yeah. You know, four billion. Yeah. Um, uh, Are we, you know, and I guess for those that are into population control. This might be this uh, is like the thing. This They're is like, a good this thing. This is awesome, yeah. <laughs> this this might be a good thing even though when I travel through Wyoming I still wonder like no one's around here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one lives in this state, you know. <laughs> and it, it, that's also like really funny because one
1: of the reasons why people are attacking the family unit is for the reason you just mentioned that yeah. there is an idea that there's just too many people on this planet. So it's good that we attack the family unit. Now, there's obviously numerous problems with that. Uh, The first one is that the idea of overpopulation was something that was put forward in the 70s. I mean, this is not new. This is not something that someone just came up with. The reason why it was brought up in the 70s and then it was kind of forgotten is because when it was brought up in the 70s, the idea is that we would totally run out of natural resources before 2000. That was the idea that at the current rate of uh, population increase, we would totally be deprived of natural resources and the world would end if we didn't stem the, the climb of population. The problem is is that the population has increased more than what that study suggested, and we have more natural resources now than we've ever had in the history of mankind. So in other words, the people that fought that idea, they said, well, no, 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 population will increase, but we'll be able to discover more natural resources and we'll be able to support the increase of population. And they were disproven very clearly. It was forgotten for a couple decades, and now people are just digging it back up again. And they're saying, well, people have forgotten about the original argument and they've forgotten that it was debunked. So let's recycle this, shake it off, and pretend like it's a real thing that hasn't been debunked yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's not true, you know? Mm-hmm
0: yeah so um, very interesting, but I, I think you know Christians obviously and, and Jews, you know when they study the scriptures, they can't get away from that idea of procreation and that right. that is one of the initial that is the the first thing that God tells them to do yeah even before the fall.
1: And there's like a terrible argument against that that I've heard that I just kind of want to address real quick. Uh-huh. Some people will say like, well, what about the couples that can't have kids? And what we would say is the ideal is never messed up by a deformity, meaning that ideally people walk on two legs, right? You would never look at people and say, well, you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't say that we should all walk on two legs because there are people who are born without legs, Mm -hmm. right? You'd be like, well, yeah, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't walk on two legs. The deformity actually proves the rule, right? The exception proves the rule. It doesn't actually negate the rule. In the same way, if I say the ideal of a couple who is married is to have children, and you point out, well, there are couples out there that can't have kids, the exception proves the rule. Right? That that's we wouldn't look at that, and I'm sure that couple wouldn't look at that and say, This is a good thing. Right? Our biology that is disabled from being able to procreate is a positive thing. No doctor would look at you and say, yeah, that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, they're not walking right. out all happy. Right, yeah, that you're sterile. Yeah,
1: like that's an amazing thing. They yeah. they would say, "No, like this is tragic. It's not life-ending, but it is tragic nonetheless, mm. and we should look at it that way." So, it's a bad argument, but that's that's what some
0: people would say. Mm, yeah. And uh yeah, it's interesting. You know, and you know, you see in what we've talked about today that that Either a person is going to look at an outside source to define, or everybody is looking at an outside right. source to define how they're coming up with their family unit ideas. Right. Um, whether you're going to look to the Bible or whether you're going to look to another source, but you are going to look to some source. Yeah, And that's what people are doing. Um, and the question always is, is, what is the better source? Yeah, you know what is the best source to look at. Yeah, and that is something that um, I think sometimes on both sides you don't you don't want to look at other people's stuff, you know, you know that kind of thing. But anyway, we hope you guys enjoyed the second part of our family talk, and it was cool just to kick around ideas of family and things of that nature. Yeah, I don't think we've ever done that. No, I don't think so. Yeah, so it's <laughs> kind of cool to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys take care. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at runninglight Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36, 8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.